Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church here in Coleraine. It's nice of you to take the time to tune in and listen and watch. Welcome, one and all. I'm going to read from the book of Leviticus, the Old Testament, in chapter 16. It's going to tie up with the series that we're about to preach and teach and learn about in the book of Hebrews. So let's read from verse 29, Hebrews, Leviticus, chapter 16. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work. Neither native born or an alien living among you. Because of this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord, you will be clean from your sins, all your sins. It is a Sabbath of rest, and you must deny yourselves. It is a lasting ordinance. The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He is to put on the sacred linen garments and make atonement for the most holy place, for the tent of meeting and the altar and for the priests and all the people of the community. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. And it was done as the Lord commanded Moses. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again, those that are listening, wherever you may be, those that are here, we thank you for those that have come, and uh, we pray as we give an introduction to the book of Hebrews that uh, it would be a blessing to us and we would draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, acknowledge that he is uh, superior above everyone and everything that's ever been created. We pray that we'd be tuned into this message, we wouldn't be distracted, that you would t- teach our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, like I say, an introduction to the book of Hebrews, a new series uh, we're going to be starting. And this morning I'm just going to begin in the way of an introduction, an introduction. And uh, you've got to hand out those that are here this morning. Hopefully you've got a pencil or a pen in your pocket, and we'll seek to answer those questions therein. First question was, when was it written? When was this letter written? Well, it's believed to be written in the mid-60s, AD 60s, maybe probably around AD 65, and this would have been before the destruction of the Jewish temple as some of you uh, historians already know, happened in A.D. 70. 
when the Jewish temple was destroyed. So the need for animal sacrifices no longer existed because there was no temple to do the sacrificing. Amen? The, the, the reason that it was done away with in uh, AD 70 is because there's a bed of sacrifice that happened a few years earlier, and that was the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's no need for animal sacrifices to cover sins anymore because Jesus Christ fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. He said of himself, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus Christ is the fulfillment. He is the perfect sacrifice. Amen? Animal sacrifices were merely a type of the perfect sacrifice to come. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sacrifice that Jesus paid on that cross, he paid the sin debt for all mankind, both Jews and Gentiles, because God loves everybody. So who wrote the letter? Who wrote this letter to the Hebrews? The answer is nobody knows except God and the person that wrote it. And we don't know who he was. Many have speculated and assumed it was written by the Apostle Paul. Not necessarily. Could have been. We don't know. However, from all the letters written by Paul, this one, the letter to the Hebrews, is different. Paul always included his usual greetings and told people who he was who the writer was. This one is unusual. No one mentions the name of the writer. But the writer, whoever he was, must have been someone with um, leadership qualities. He was definitely a Jew who had a vast knowledge of the Jews' religion. Could have been Paul. He was one. Could have been any of the uh, early church fathers. We don't know. Possibly Apollos, uh, whom Martin Luther believed wrote this letter to the Hebrews. Could have been Apollos. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King. Martin Luther, the great reformer. Whoever he was, he wanted to remain anonymous. And even though we don't know who it was, we know that the Holy Spirit inspired that person to write it. Amen? Why do we know that? Because 2 Timothy chapter 3.16 says that all scripture is being given by inspiration of God. So whoever it was that penned the letter, it was the Holy Spirit who inspired that person to write down God's thoughts. Amen? Who was it written to? That's easy. The guy that makes the coffee, Hebrews. You've heard that joke before? You'll most likely hear it again, if you're willing to laugh, that is. Who's it written to? That's easy. The Hebrews. 
<laughs> All right? In other words, a Jewish Christian congregation, probably in Rome or possibly in Palestine. We don't know. These were Messianic Jews. Any Jew who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is saved. They are Messianic Jews, and these people were as well, this Jewish Christian congregation. We've got Messianic Jews today, thousands upon thousands of them that were raised in the Jewish religion, and yet recognize that Jesus is the Messiah and are saved. The author quotes extensively from the Old Testament. Like I said, he had a vast knowledge of the Old Testament, whoever this writer was, a Jew. And he knows that his readers also have a very familiar knowledge of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant sacrificial system that we read about this morning in Leviticus, talking about the sacrificial system that the Jews were commanded to do every year on the Day of Atonement. Jews still do it today. But there's no animal sacrifices. So how are they going to get their sins forgiven? Or at least covered? They can't, unless they receive Jesus, who's the perfect sacrifice. Are you with me so far? Say amen. amen. Great. Now, why write it? Why write this letter in the first place? Those Christian Jews were tempted to turn back to the rituals of Judaism again. Why? Because of the tremendous persecution they were under. In their day, Christianity wasn't a recognized religion like it is today, especially by the Romans. The Romans would persecute Christians. Many suffered martyrdom for their faith in Christ, uh, eaten by lions and leopards and burned alive, tortured, because they wouldn't recant. They preached Christ, they believed in Christ, and they shared their faith in Christ. That's what we're supposed to do as well. And these Jewish Christians, they were persecuted, not only by the Romans, who hated Jesus Christ, but once a Jew became a Christian, they were ostracized by the Orthodox Jews uh, from turning away from their religion to faith in Jesus Christ. They were ostracized. Once the Hebrew Christians got saved, which they did, they were shunned. They were cut off from everything that was familiar, from their culture, no longer allowed to be part of their Jewish community that they were born into and raised up into. And that obviously created many, many problems for them and unfortunately also for their families. Before believing in Jesus, before they got saved, life was easy, comparatively, if life can be easy at all for most of us. But now there was tremendous pressure on them to give up on Christ and to turn back, to go back to the way things were. 
I bet some of us uh, remember how things were back in America not that long ago. And it was so much better in so many ways. Amen? But you can't turn the clock back. They wanted to just be left alone, like they were before they became Christians, with no dangers, no threats on their lives, on their families, people throwing stones through their windows, trying to burn their houses down, picking on their kids, pressures, threats against them and their families. Many of them had lost property. They lost their livelihood. See the tremendous pressure on them to turn back to the way things were. They lost their families. Some people lost their families and their friends wouldn't want anything more to do with them because they, they're following this, what they would call a lunatic <coughs> called Jesus Christ. Many were beaten, some thrown into prison. Uh, some possibly lost their lives. We don't know. So the temptation was great to give up on Jesus. The temptation was so strong. And understandably, put, put yourself in their shoes. Just like the persecuted church today in the third world, those Hebrews had a lot to fear. See, we've got it easy here. We've got it really, really easy. And we should thank God that we are living in this country compared to living in the third world where you're ostracized, you're jailed, or you're killed for your faith in Jesus Christ just simply by owning a Bible. That's how it was for these Jewish Christians. They were afraid. They lived in fear. Do you know what it's like to live in fear? Have you ever lived in fear? I have. I know what it's like to live in fear. Especially in, in Papua New Guinea. I feared for my life at times. And that's how they lived constantly. They lived in fear of what others might think of them. They lived in fear of what others may do to them and their families. They feared losing face in their community and losing their families, losing power and the prestige and their position in society. Many of them were very well off, wealthy. They'd lost everything. They lost their livelihood, their employment. They were cut off. In other words, these people were very, very fearful. So you can imagine the, the tremendous pressure on them to turn back instead of meeting on the Sunday, the first day of the week, like Christians are supposed to do, they were pressurized to go back and go to the synagogue and worship with the Jewish community on the Sabbath. There's, you know, there's a lot of things, a few things in life that are more paralyzing than fear. There was a Gallup poll, some of you can relate to this, there was a Gallup, Gallup poll uh, regarding uh, what Americans fear the most. What, what fears have you got? 
Maybe you relate to this. It includes the fear of heights. Anybody got a fear of heights? I don't mind heights. I just don't want to fall off. <laughs> you know, I do. I mean, I've been up ladders. You know, in, in England, I was an apprentice plumber. And a, plumbers in England are jacks of all trades. I had to climb up these ladders. And they were the, uh, the ones with the, rodden, the uh, wooden rungs, you know, not the, the metal ones. You know. And you're up there as high as this ceiling. You know, and you're doing, you, you know, you've got to hold on with your knees while you're doing the job, you know. And you've got a guy at the bottom there, hopefully he's holding the ladder for you. I, hate, I didn't like that at all, you know. He said, don't look down, don't look down. And that's a good thing to do, don't look down. Okay, there's a fear of heights, fear of flying. You've got a fear of flying? Some people do. I've heard some famous people that won't fly. They'll go on a ship rather than go on an aircraft to their destination. Fear of storms. I know animals don't like the storms, do they? Fear of the dark. You've got fear of the dark? As a child, I was, I must confess, I, was, I had fear of the dark. My mommy would give me a kiss, good kiss, good night. And I say, Mom, leave the door open with a light on in the hallway. She says, yes, every night. She, I always say that. Denise doesn't do it now. <laughs> anyway, fear of the dark. How about fear of going to the doctor? Especially guys. There's someone here who's not here today. He said, I've got this terrible pain going down my leg. And he's holding on to that something, you know. And I said, have you been to the doctor? And he said, no. I gave him a look. Why? Men don't like going to the doctors. In fact, well over, according to this Gallup poll, well over 50% of people fear snakes. Right? A good snake is a dead snake. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care if it's a garter snake or whatever you call it. I don't like them. How about this? Being enclosed in a small space. Claustrophobia, I hate that. You ever been through one of those scan things where, you, where they put you in this tube and they take x-rays of you? And they say, what kind of music would you like to listen to? The Beatles, Okay. And you've got these headphones and you can hear, you know, whatever genre of music you like and try not to think where you are. Terrible. I'm claustrophobic to a certain extent. 34% of people are claustrophobic. They don't like small spaces. How about spiders and insects? That's 27% people don't like spiders or insects. Hey, they're God's creatures. Come on. How about needles? Getting your shots. 21%. Mice. Oh, my mother. She was scared to death of mice. 20% of people are scared of mice. They're little God's creatures. They're not going to hurt you. I think we've got time. 
you know, I was just a kid, and uh, we had a, it was winter time and it snowed, and my next door neighbour, the lady, she was this very highly strung. Let's put it like that. Her name was Mrs. Lon, Lon, and Mrs. Lon was highly strung. My mother caught her stealing coal from our coal shed one day when she came back from work, so. That's another story. Anyway, um, she was renowned for being very highly strung. So winter came, we were out there, you know, playing with snowballs and everything like that, and I found this dead mice, mouse in the snow. It was frozen solid. In England, we have these letter boxes, right, where you put the mail, the letters through. And there's also a knocker you can knock on it, you know, if anyone comes to the door. So I got this frozen mice and I put it in the letterbox and it was perfect because it, it held onto the mouse. And then I knocked on the letterbox with the knocker and then waited <laughs> for Mrs. Long to come and open the door. And then I heard this tremendous scream. <laughs> oh, it was great. That's, that's what you get for stealing coal. Anyway, how about going to the dentist? I went last week. I went last week. Did I want to go? No. 68% fear going to the dentist. I happen to have a very nice dentist. How about preparing taxes? 66% people fear preparing taxes. 58% fear cleaning their house. 58%, that would include me. 57% fear job interviews. Who likes that? And is a good one, this is the final one. 77% fear public speaking. So aren't you glad that I'm here today? I said, aren't you glad that I'm here today? Yes. All right. Oh, boy. We'll take a poll later. So we can see from the book of Hebrew that there's a, a great deal of fear, basically fear of man or what man might do. Proverbs chapter 29, 25 says that the fear of man lays a snare, but Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. If you trust in the Lord, you're safe, regardless of the circumstances. You know, we can be so fearful in this world. We're bombarded with negativity coming through the TV screens. Now they're hopping on the fear of nuclear warfare. They want you to be fearful. Why? I don't know. But we don't have to be. We don't have to worry. Or, you know, we're going to be putting ourselves in an early grave. We can be consumed by fear. And it will rob us of joy. It will rob us of our joy. And that's what the devil wants. He wants us to be consumed with fear. But you know what Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says? And you can take this to the bank. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. For Second Timothy, 
chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. So when you feel fearful, quote that verse. So this book of Hebrews that we're about to study next week, this, like I say, this is just in the way of introduction. It's not only written for those Hebrew Christians, it's also written for unbelievers who had some knowledge about Jesus, but who made the choice to reject him for one reason or another. It's also for their benefit, because God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God wants everybody to be saved. Throughout this letter, the writer emphasizes the supremacy of Christ and proves that all the rituals and the ceremonies of Judaism in the Old Testament all refer to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. It all, they all point to him. They're types and shadows. The writer explains how far superior Jesus is than any religion or any religious system. Nowhere in the Bible is the Old Testament more clearly explained than in the book of Hebrews. So I'm looking forward to learning about it. I hope you are too. The Old Covenant, as recorded in the book of Leviticus, that's why I read it this morning, or part of it, it required a continual sacrifice, year after year, and a once-a-year atonement for the sins offered by a priest. That was all done away with in AD 70. I said that before. There's no animal sacrifices. So how can they have the, even today, how can a Jew have their sins covered? They can't. The animal sacrifices were done away with. AD 70, all done away with. But Jesus Christ is the one and only sufficient Sacrifice to take away, not just to take away, but completely forgive us of our sins. Now, that's the new covenant. Jesus Christ is the new covenant. It's a once and for all sacrifice that he made on that cross. He only had to do it once. And as a result of that sacrifice at Calvary, through the shedding of his blood, his sinless blood, all people everywhere can have free access to God the Father in heaven. Do we, do we uh, pray? Or are we still fearful? You know, try to figure things out by ourselves. Try to work things out. Any decision that we, we have to make, we need to pray about it first. Do we do that? We have free access to the Father who answers our prayers, who hears our prayers. We have the forgiveness of sins and a home in heaven when we die simply by believing faith in what Jesus did on the cross. It's not difficult to understand. In fact, children get saved. My son was saved at five years old. It's simple. They don't try to figure it out. They believe by faith. They're a sinner. Jesus is the Savior. And that's it. Job done. 
So let me conclude this introduction. The letter to the Hebrews that we will study one chapter at a time, it also includes examples of Old Testament believers who persevered in spite of extremely difficult circumstances. Like uh, Isaiah the prophet, he was sawn in two. You know, I complain when I've got a, what do you call those things? Splinter, that'll work, sure, whatever. A quick, a hangnail. You know, oh, I've got a hangnail. Oh, I've broken nail. <laughs> How about being sawn in two? Anyway, that's not going to happen. The Old Testament prophets, regardless of their circumstances and what they suffered, what did they do? They maintained their faith in God's promises to the end of their lives. They didn't turn back, and this is what the writer is emphasizing to those Jewish believers. Don't turn back. The Old Testament prophets never turned back, and he has to remind them of what they had to go through and the persecution and the suffering. So the writers give us some very necessary warnings also to the people that need to know the danger of falling away from the faith that they once believed in. So it's full of sound teaching, full of practical advice and encouragement. We all need to be encouraged, don't we? In our Christian walk. So I hope and pray that this study in the book of Hebrews will draw us closer to the Lord. It'll encourage us and it will reveal the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Oh, Father, we do thank you again for this introduction, and uh, we look forward, uh, Lord willing, next Sunday to start in the first chapter in the book of Hebrews. And uh, we just pray that the things that we've learned and been reminded of, that uh, this world and uh, social media are bombarding us with negativity and wanting us to be fearful. So we need to be aware of that and uh, realize that you are in control regardless of the circumstances. And you've not given us a spirit, of, again, to fear. And um, we need to be reminded of that that when we do feel fearful, that uh, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And uh, regardless of circumstances, we can have a peace that this world cannot possibly give us, that uh, nothing else can give us, because we've received the Prince of Peace. I want to address those of you that have never been saved. It's a simple thing to believe. You should know by now that you are a sinner. The things that you've done wrong, the things that you've thought about doing wrong, the motives, 
to do wrong. Uh, it's encapsulated in one word, sin. And we're born into sin. We've inherited that sin nature from our parents. And uh, sinners need a savior. And this is why Jesus came to pay the price, the debt, the sin debt that we owe to God uh, because of his justice, it has to be appeased because he is holy, holy, holy. And if you call upon the name of Jesus to save you and confess with your mouth that you're a sinner, that you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, to forgive you of your sins, then the promise is you shall be saved. Have you ever done that yet? Not following the rituals of a church, but simply believing by faith what you couldn't do to save yourself, but what Jesus did on the cross in, on your behalf. So again, Lord, we thank you for those that are listening and those that are watching and those that are here. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.